0: Every American is acutely aware of the issues surrounding our healthcare system. We know miracles can happen, but we find ourselves bombarded by conflicting information and are uncertain of what and whom we can trust. We have some of the best medical care in the world for those who can afford it. Incredible new drugs that change people's lives but can be very costly. Many of the best doctors the world has ever seen, but not all are perfect. That's why Dr. Steve Feldman created the show, Getting Better Health Care, to help walk us through the labyrinth helping us understand how to take better care of ourselves and to better understand the challenges, issues, controversies, and complexities of our healthcare system as it exists and as it could be. For better healthcare and a better healthcare system, listen to the doctor. Now, here's Steve.
1: Welcome to Getting Better Healthcare on webtalkradio.net. I'm your host, Dr. Steve Feldman. On our past shows, we've talked a lot about physicians and how good they are at what they do, but... Where do physicians come from? What is their training like? On today's show, we're going to discuss a day in the life of a medical student with Wake Forest University School of Medicine medical student, Craig Yarbrough. Craig, thank you so much for taking time out of what must be a very busy schedule to be on the show today.
2: Well, thank you, uh, Dr. Feldman, for having me on. Um, I appreciate it.
1: Tell me, how is... um, medical school organized, what, what are the different steps you you go through?
2: Um, well, initially, uh, I, I would assume the most, you know, my school being Wake Forest University is typical um, for most students. The first two years are kind of more of your basic science years for you to introduced to uh, gross anatomy, um, biochemistry, um, and, and further progress into more of the uh, specialty subgroups of more pathophysiology um, toward our end of our first year and then uh, throughout our second year, um, going through all of the specialties of, of uh, endocrinology, gastroenterology, cardiology, pulmonary, um, and covering all the basics. And then um, in our later in our second year, we uh, start studying for uh, step one, the USMLE board exams, uh, which we take uh, in the spring. Um, and then basically, as soon as we're done with those, we go right into our third year, which is the beginning of our clinical clerkship, clerkship rotation, um, which is an opportunity to rotate through all the various types of specialties that you could pursue as a medical career physician, um, anywhere from obstetrics to surgery to internal medicine to family medicine. Um, and, and that gives the student an opportunity to see what they like um, and what they might want to pursue as, a, as an option in medicine as a career choice. Uh, and that's what you use to basically create your fourth year of medical school, which is where you take um, a number of selected uh, electives that you can do and then also a number of required uh, elective months that you have to do uh, as requirements uh, for the school um, during your fourth year. So, Uh, I mean, it's a very busy process, Yeah.
1: yeah. So if I understood that right, the first two years are basically book knowledge and then the next two years you're actually doing hands-on patient care experiences. That's correct. Yep. Th- those first two years are they pretty boring?
2: Um, it depends. Uh it depends on how well you uh really find the subject matter to be interesting. Um and I think a lot of it is predicated on the people that you surround yourself with uh and also the the people that actually give you the knowledge to, you know, to, to learn. Um that's probably the biggest uh thing. But I I mean I would say that, you know, the first two years certainly uh, are more so kind of a continuation of, of undergraduate and, and studying. And the more exciting years are your third and fourth year. We actually get to do clinical you know, clinical studies and, and knowledge and actually interact with real people and, and see what you can learn uh, from an actual person and patient, so
1: for sure. I, I guess that there's a selection process that happens so that the people get into medical school are probably pretty good at taking classes and can really stuff a lot of information in those first two years.
2: Uh, for sure. Uh, I mean, I, I would imagine it's a prerequisite for all all students uh, coming out of undergraduate uh, who are pursuing a, a career in medicine. to kind of have very good skills at studying and uh, keeping up on uh, current materials and making sure you're not falling behind. Otherwise, uh, it's really very difficult to succeed in, in medical school uh, if you don't do that, so for sure.
1: And, and you're in your fourth year now, so you've You've have the the book stuff in the distant past and have, well, distant past a year and a half ago, right? Correct. Yes. Yeah. So, what were the the first clinical experiences like for you?
2: Um, well, for us, uh, we were fortunate enough to get some very limited amount of clinical experiences in our first and second years to kind of help us uh, be a little bit more at ease, I would guess, when you know when we start our third year clinical rotation. So, for us, our first year our first clinical experiences um, were uh, a little a little nervous. I mean, you know, you were first time talking to a real patient and you really have kind of very limited tools uh, and knowledge uh, in speaking to these the patients. And, um, you know, it's, it's exciting to some degree, but also, uh, you know, you're very anxious and nervous that, you know, you really have nothing to really bring to the table other than simple conversation um, because, you know, you really don't have the, clinical skills yet to talk to a person and kind of put all the information together. So um, it's certainly a, a challenging uh, first couple times that you kind of go through this process.
1: I guess nowadays people, well, we expect our doctors to be extraordinarily knowledgeable to make diagnoses, to prescribe correct treatments. It seems like a lot of the concern is on physicians' bedside manner, in, in In the medical school system in which the first few years is purely bookwork, it seems like one could it could even knock the interest in, in, in interpersonal interactions out of a person. It, it sounds like what you're saying is that even into the first two years they're starting to think about how medical students are taught to interact with patients.
2: Certainly, um, and uh, Wake Forest is, is, you know, a great example of that. Um, we have in our first two years of training, uh, 100% right that majority of what you're doing is is the book knowledge and trying to get most of the information for the next years to come, so you can, you know, uh, utilize that in the clinical setting. But there is a, a number of hours spent. Um, with physicians uh, and rotating with them and using uh, models that have been put together by faculty members and staff uh, to give us some something to go by um, and train us to kind of have a little bit more of a, of a model to introduce in talking to, to patients uh, very early on in our, in our medical school career. So, um, specifically, we have bedside teaching models and also uh, kind of being a physician is kind of uh, something that has been started and we've been doing at Wake Forest to really help uh, introduce what's important uh, value-wise and in how we can you know, be better physicians in you know, talking to our patients. So I would say that's very true.
1: What, ex- what exactly are those experiences like?
2: Um, initially, uh, like I said, I mean, the first time you go through it, it's, it's a little nerve-wracking just from the sense, you know, it's something new. It's something that you're not accustomed to, um, but it's kind of uh, introduced to you in a very stepwise, piecemeal fashion. So, not to overwhelm you and discourage you, um, you know, you initially start off with, you know, talking to peers as you know, kind of uh, uh, going through the steps, and then and then you have standardized patients who are trained uh, actors, really to kind of help you and give you positive feedback and negative feedback to help you, uh, you know, move on and get your skills even better so that when your third-year clinical rotations come around, this is not a new thing for us to, you know, be the first time speaking to a real-life patient that we've actually practiced this before.
1: Oh, neat. So you're not just doing CPR on models, you're doing sort of patient care on model patients, on, on actors playing patients, and And presumably there's a a one-way glass somewhere where somebody's watching you and then gives you a critique of how you're doing?
2: Right. So um, we do have uh, standardized patient assessments and evaluations where – we are graded um, in our skills of, you know, walking and going in and presenting to a patient and talking to them like we would a standard patient that we see in everyday clinic setting. Um, and we're evaluated uh, by faculty, and, and um, they have a standardized sheet that they have to to make it as as universal across so everyone's graded on the same same amount, and and they have to be accountable for everyone. You know, is accountable for the same criteria. Um, to, you know, to the way they thought as being, you know, what they would want to see in the, every clinical setting that a, a physician would interact, and how they would interact with a patient given a certain scenario. So that's um, right. I mean, it's a very neat thing to see, and it's something that you know it's really been helpful. I can say for myself uh, in my four years of training as a medical student.
1: Yeah, given that um, my background in college was in organic chemistry and physics and things like in the hard sciences, not psychology and certainly not acting. I, I'm, I'm so glad I got through before, uh, before this kind of um, experience. It sounds wonderful. It would have been very nerve wracking for me. Right. Well, um, how about blood drawing? Is that something that, that you do as a medical student?
2: Well, um, What they have come up with at our institution is uh, we have a procedures curriculum, which is a set of uh, uh, curriculum-based procedures that everyone is required to do uh, throughout their four years of medical school, and usually you don't really start doing this until you're beginning your clinical rotations as a third-year medical student, Um, but yes, there is uh, part of that is uh, drawing blood and phlebotomy, um, and we have certain opportunities to do that. Throughout our year, but then there are also opportunities that are in, integrated into the actual uh, rotation itself. So that if you don't have an opportunity that's just, you know, presenting itself up on inpatient service or on an outpatient service, that you actually have the opportunity to go and, and do all these various uh, type of procedures. So. Um, the first time that I took a blood draw, um, I was somewhat nervous, but uh, we have good training, and uh, I think it went over well. So uh, I certainly feel capable and qualified to uh, to draw blood uh, after after going through all this.
1: Neat. So is is the first time you stick somebody? Is, are you sticking an actual patient or another uh, another actor?
2: Well, the first time that we actually did um, any type of phlebotomy or or uh, I V placement uh we practiced on each other uh as medical students um prior to our third year clinical clerkship. Um but when we actually do it on real patients shortly thereafter, uh we are supervised by uh trained and licensed phlebotomists or physicians um that are there to help us. So um it it's certainly a, a kind of throw you into the process. So it's it, you know, it can be nerve-wracking for some, uh, but I think most people are, are very capable and, and up for the challenge. Uh,
1: I had this same uh, first experience in that uh, I- at my medical school, we drew blood on each other as as part of the learning process. And uh, my first experience was unforgettable because my classmate had veins that would roll, and I stuck her several times <laughs> before I was able to get right. blood out of her vein. The poor thing! I feel I still feel bad to this day for that.
2: Well, there are uh, certainly people, and myself included, that uh, people find that are are good veins and good sticks, so they are, uh, you know, very well sought out by our peers to be the the guinea pigs, if you will, uh, uh, to get practiced on. Um, And some people are reluctant uh, to to have it done, but um, usually most people are able to, you know, at least get one or two practices and not put someone through uh, multiple sticks, you know, and give them a big bruise or anything, but yeah, it's certainly a, a crazy experience the first time.
1: You're listening to Getting Better Healthcare on WebtalkRadio.net. I'm your host, Dr. Steve Feldman. We're speaking today with Wake Forest University medical student Craig Yarbrough about what a day in the life of a medical student is like. So it must be very time consuming. People talk about medical school as being a very time intensive experience. Um what's it like now in on the clinical rotations what are what are hours typically like
2: Um typically for for most medical students um you know the, the you know it's not the standard day of an 8 to 5 kind of thing um depending on the rotation that you're on um I would say the standard time that you would come in is anywhere between 5 and 6 a.m. Um, and usually you are done uh, at the same time around 5 or 6 uh, p.m. So I would say for the majority of rotations that, you know, this being inpatient uh, is, is probably going to be a 12-hour day for, for most students. Um, in, a, in a clinical setting where you're on an outpatient setting, it, it might be less than that, more like a 9- or a 10-hour day.
1: Now, that's the time you're working on wards, not the time you're studying the content of that field that you're on? That's I correct, I yeah. Imagine. yeah. So you, you, you have your work day, and then you have your work night, too, huh?
2: Certainly, um, and it, it certainly can, can be time-consuming, especially when you have patients that are very complicated and you're trying to learn uh, different pathologies and, and understand the physiology of all the pathology and, and different diseases that you're uh, being presented uh, on the inpatient services. And certainly when you're done at 6 uh, p.m., uh, when you go home, uh, most of your night uh, can be consumed with uh, reading and and finding things and articles online uh, to further your knowledge on on what to be prepared for uh, for the next day so that when asked um, by an attending or a resident that you have some information under your belt to know and, and, and to talk about, certainly, yeah.
1: So it sounds like those first two years of education aren't necessarily there to provide you with a comprehensive knowledge of medicine. But to prepare you with the tools you need to to um get the information you need on those nights uh, on those complicated patients, so you can go back the next day and look, look 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 smart huh
2: certainly um you know the the first two years kind of laid the foundation for uh the next two years of clinical uh rotations, and it would be much more difficult to immediately kind of walk in. Uh, to a clinic and not have any of that foundation knowledge and fundamental knowledge that you would attain in your first and second year of of medical school uh, to kind of be prepared in your third and fourth year and have that ability uh, to quickly find information uh, using the tools that are available and made made to us. So um, it's certainly a benefit to have, yeah.
1: So let's say you're um, on some inpatient service. Maybe it's general medicine. Maybe it's a surgery rotation. Um, how many patients are you working on and how much responsibility um, do you have, how much involvement in their care?
2: Um, well, uh, on uh, general service, uh, you know, most patients we would see uh, typically would be in the realm of three to five patients uh, that we may be, you know, solely responsible for. Um, and that's usually with uh, aid of, you know, an intern or a resident that would be overseeing our, our, our care and presentation and following of, of a certain patient. Um, it just, you know, can vary based upon how much that particular service, how many patients are on that service at a given time. Um, but as far as our duties and responsibilities, you know, we're pretty much uh, responsible for uh, once the patient is brought to the floor, uh, kind of going through all the steps that a typical intern would do, um, and, and getting all the information and following that patient and making sure that they're receiving uh, adequate care.
1: So uh, the intern, on, the uh, intern being somebody who's finished their medical school training and is now a full-fledged doctor, a resident who's is somebody who's had more than that first year of internship training.
2: Correct. You're right. Uh, intern being the first first year out of out of medical school. Um, uh, but, you know, is is correct, uh, have received their, their medical degree.
1: Okay. Um, so for those three to five patients now, I guess the nurses are administering the medicines and the, um, the hospital blood draw team is actually drawing the bloods and there's transportation service taking patients to their tests and the radiology department is probably getting their x-rays. What is the, the medical student actually doing?
2: Um, I would say the biggest thing that the medical student, you know, in, in the third and fourth year, you're going through the process of really learning what your next three years would be like as in your training. So you're preparing yourself for that type of life, which is more so getting better at talking to patients and getting get information gathering, um, understanding the disease processes that that particular patient may have or have yet to be determined. Um, and what tests may need to be ordered, what imaging studies may be beneficial um, for you to to better the quality of care and to help this particular patient. Um, And also uh, understand, you know, what you can do as a third and fourth year medical student uh, in practicing all the procedures that you may need to be prepared and ready to do uh, as a resident. Um, So really it's kind of uh, in a controlled environment where you'll have people seeing and overseeing you that you can discuss certain ideas with and um, kind of be in a safe area where, you know, if you're wrong, it's not going to necessarily be detrimental to the patient um, because you'll have people there to, to follow up on your work.
1: It sounds like what you're saying is that the medical student um, or intern or resident or physician is sort of a, a, a chief information and decision-making officer, Um collecting information chewing on it and deciding what needs to be done next
2: hundred uh, percent correct and, and, and forgive me for not being able to go through the, the whole model but uh, one thing that's kind of taught throughout medical school is the steps that you kind of go through from being the information gatherer to being the reporter to being the um, you know ul, you know ultimate decision maker and um As you kind of progress through those steps, that's kind of the progression as from medical student through resident through ultimately uh, being, you know, out on your own as a licensed physician, um, you know, making all the decisions, kind of going through all of that process. So um, as a medical student, you're doing your best to kind of get through the information and gathering and reporting type phases and becoming more of that decision-making and plan and problem-solving kind of phase which will prepare you for residency and ultimately life and career as a physician.
1: Do medical students walk around collect connected electronically to sources of information they use for evaluating patients and making decisions?
2: Um, you know, one of the nice things that uh, most hospitals are, are doing nowadays is doing electronically uh, wiring computers and having, uh, you know, the most up-to-date, uh, information at hand is, is becoming you know readily available at most institutions, and that's a great asset to have for uh, medical students and myself included. Um, the nice thing that you can go and speak to a, a patient and learn about what their you know chief complaint and problem is and what's got them in the hospital. You know it takes a few seconds to go and and find uh, relevant material that will help you kind of understand more of that disease process and and kind of make your own plan and problem uh, based. Um, uh, ideas about what to do best for that patient and presenting that to the team. Um, so certainly that's, that's definitely been a, a very big help.
1: Are there changes in regulations that affect the lives of medical students nowadays?
2: Well, fortunately, uh, and this is a great question, because um, this is something that has happened recently, at least at our institution, I assume this has kind of been something that's been done, nationwide uh, and it has affected medical students and their learning um, I think to some degree. Uh, as a third year medical student the, the rules and regulations were a little bit different for me um, being last year. Uh, I had a little bit more ability as far as, uh, as um, writing up legal documents as putting in history and physicals, um, putting in orders that actually get activated, um, and being able to uh, Edit discharge documentations for patients, and actually being a very uh, helpful and asset to most of the residents and interns. Um, as a fourth-year medical student, uh, some of the rules and regulations uh, in regards to medical students has changed, and that's been uh, severely limited. Where uh, our ability to actually, you know, effectively change documentation for the for the patient um, is no longer uh, available. We are able to, to do documentations, but it's solely for an educational purpose um, and not for any type of specific uh, truthful legal document that you know is in the patient's chart itself.
1: Two big buzzwords in, in healthcare nowadays are access and quality. Um, do are medical students participating in programs to increase access for, for patients who otherwise would have poor access to health care. And I guess the other question I wanted to ask is, is there much emphasis in medical school today on improving the quality of care that patients get?
2: Um, and both of those words are big topics and are being taught and, and discussed in the medical medical student uh, realm. Uh, you know, we have, uh, as far as access goes, uh, as medical students, we have uh, here at Wake Forest and have followed kind of a, uh, a very specific um, model that's been done at other institutions uh... and in setting up a free clinic and getting adequate funding to help uh... see patients on a weekly basis uh... or in patients who would not otherwise have access to uh... health care um, and this is more so in like a clinic outpatient primary care kind of setting um, and, and in regards to the quality of health care you know the biggest concern is going to be uh, how much, you know, everything costs nowadays um, with all the health care reform that's going on. But, you know, we are concerned that, you know, you want to maintain a certain expectation and level and quality of what patients, you know, need to get and receive in order to help them and and ultimately, you know, make them get better um, and do the best that you can. So that's certainly something that's been discussed in uh, in our institution.
1: Craig, thank you so much for your time. Tell me... um... What does the whole future hold for you next? What happens when you finish medical school?
2: Well, I am personally uh, on the interview trail right now for uh, uh, finding a residency uh, as a family physician, um, and uh, I would like to, um, you know, ultimately try to stay somewhere here in the southeast. But you know, as, as a student that's going to be going into a residency uh, in primary care, um, you know, I have a, you know, certainly a good vested interest in seeing how. Uh, the next few years play out, and seeing the, the numbers of patient sized population will increase, and how that affects um, you know the ability to still provide adequate quality health to to people um, coming in to see all all, all hospitals and outpatient clinics. So, how many uh, years? I'm excited about what the future holds. Sir. Yeah.
1: How many years of training is family? Um, fam- does it take to become a family physician?
2: It is three years of training. Three for, more for years
1: that, after medical school. Wow. Correct. Um, any final comments for our listeners about um, things that you would suggest to them concerning their health or our health care system?
2: Um, the reality is, is that I think that, you know, um, I think most patients and, and certainly physicians, you know, need to do a better job of, of making it known what People need to take more responsibility for their health. Um, You know, Americans in general are people that are very proud but somewhat can be uh, uh, entitled to certain things that are necessary. And, you know, I certainly believe that people need health care and should be afforded the the ability to have health care. But, you know, we we need to take responsibility for ourselves. And uh, certainly uh, it's going to be a great challenge for years to come if we don't take responsibility in our own health. Um, and that's going to be something that will be, uh, will be something that needs to change for, for everyone to, to do better and to prosper in, in, our, in our our current situation.
1: A very wise message. Thank you so much for your time today.
2: Thank you so much. Appreciate it, Dr. Feldman.
1: The training of medical students today is a long, long way from simply throwing them in a lake and expecting them to know how to swim. From the very beginning, they're taught not just the science of medicine, but also the key things that patients are really looking for, the things that satisfy patients, quality interactions with other people. Yes, the doctors are information um, gatherers and decision makers, but they're also hand holders, and that's something that medical school is... Uh, taking into consideration and encompassing in, in training, when we think about access and quality of care, um, it's great to hear uh, how the altruistic tendencies of doctors didn't just come from from nowhere. We, we see them even in medical school, where they're taking time from their busy lives and education to participate in free clinic experiences for those who have poor access to care. Uh, hearing what medical, what, what a day in the life of a medical school medical student is like, leaves me feeling very optimistic for the future of healthcare, for the future of our healthcare system, for the future of how people are cared for on a day-to-day basis. Well, that's our show for today. I hope you've enjoyed it, and we'll join us again next time. Our theme music is by the incomparable Michael Zioli.
0: Until next time, I wish you the best of health. Thanks for listening to the show today. Remember to go to DrScore.com to get and give feedback about your doctor and to read others' recommendations about doctors in your area. It's a way to choose your path to healthcare care empowerment. That's D-R-S-C-O-R-E.com, DrScore.com. And we'll see you next week right here on Getting Better Health Care.